0: It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at wfpk.org, from Louisville Public Media.
1: I'm gonna light this joint, have a have a small hit.
2: Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks so much for making your way here. Checking out this series as always Please do hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all of the interviews that we put out every single week. Three brand new ones in fact. A new one every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. It's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists. Discover some new ones and know what's happening in the music world. iTunes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, ACAST Podchaser YouTube for the video version or anywhere you get your podcasts from. I'm Kyle Merritt and today I'm going to be talking with the legendary David Crosby about his uh, new album for free. This is his fifth album in seven years. And uh, that legendary voice and me are going to talk about the importance of songwriting and music in his life. The optimistic outlook he's found after living through some very difficult and dark personal times. We also get to hear about his friends and collaborators, including Michael McDonald. He calls him his favorite voice. Steely Dan, that's his favorite band. Joni Mitchell, who he says the best singer-songwriter of all time. And Joan Baez, whose portrait of David Crosby graces the cover of this album right here. Now, we also get to hear the story uh, of a soldier he met in an airport. And the conversation that led to the, uh, the very poignant song shot at me as well as his thoughts on if he'll ever play live again and the next two albums that he already has planned. So let's do this discussing for free. It's Kyle Meredith with David Crosby. (laughs) What did
1: I do wrong? Oh, you didn't do anything wrong. It just cracks my ass up when they go with the legendary,
2: you know, I feel like it's an earned thing. You know, some people will say
1: legendary. I feel like this old crotchety old curmudgeon of a guy, but, uh, uh, I'm, you like the record.
2: I love the record. Me too. I, I'm really happy about it. And, and I've, I think I've been saying that for this amazing run that you've been on. Check this out. This legendary run that you've been on for the past <laughs> uh, handful of years. <laughs> ah. you, you put new artists to shame it just, you know, the way it's going. And and, it, and the quality is so good every time. And I don't know why I'm surprised by that, but I, but I think I am.
1: I am too. It's not common. Most people uh, are struggling to get good songs, and so they are limited in in the amount of stuff they got, and they kind of tend to put some filler in there. And uh, uh, you know how I feel about it? First place, I've been so lucky uh, with the songs. No. The songs are really the only significant part of what we do. The, all the, the infighting and the personalities and, the, and celebrity and fame and money are all bullshit. They have absolutely nothing to do with the, with the central issue at all. Central thing is the songs. Well, what's been happening man, is I'm still able to write but I really like writing with other people and I've been incredibly lucky. Uh, my son James who, uh, shit, he was a good writer right off the bat. First thing we ever wrote was Morrison, which was a really good song. But he, he's grown as a producer and as a writer. He, he wrote the best thing on this record. It's that last song, the, I, I Won't Stay For Long. Mm-hmm. Shit, man, that thing made me cry. I have friends who've called me up after listening to it, crying on the phone. It's a fucking wonderful song. Uh I I I can't tell you how it makes me feel, how good he's turned out, you know, how what an incredible talent he's turned out to be. But I've been lucky over and over again, man. Michael League, the the producer of the other band, the lighthouse band, same thing, incredible writer, composer, band leader for that jazz band, Snarky Puppy. Brilliant guy becca stevens one of the best writers i've run into uh michelle willis great writer uh michael mcdonald pretty damn good writer (laughs) Uh, damn good writer (laughs) donald fagan one half of the best pop writing team in history the best absolutely
2: the best big words right there too yeah
1: well man who's better than steely dan nobody that's that's who nobody Steely Dan is my favorite band. Uh, my first very favorite band was the Beatles. And the next one was Steely Dan. And they're still there. I don't think anybody's touched that level of work.
2: Hearing how you're talking about this, how, how you're feeling, you know, about just being so fortunate to be surrounded by these people. Um, hearing how that makes its way into the songs. I was, I was listening to that song, I think I... Happy song. Happy song. And, you know, and I, I love the message. Well, at least the message, as I take it, I should say that, you know, we're all drifting. We're all just kind of sometimes aimlessly and sometimes you're hoping for the best. But it seems like in this song, like, you recognize that, but you found confidence to say, no, I know where I am right now. I know where I'm going at this point. It's a very truthful song. I feel pretty
1: okay about how things are going. I, you know, I've had to look at my life, man, and be very unhappy with some of the choices I made. I wasted a lot of time being a, a hard drug user. That was time is the, you know, a finite resource. You don't get more. And so that was, that's a regret. But I, I think now I'm making good choices. I'm, I'm making good music and I'm making a lot of it. Uh, and I don't see everybody else doing that, uh, which, you know, gives my little competitive self a, a, a thrill. I think it's luck on my part, man. I think I'm very, very lucky to have the writing partners and the producing partners and the singing partners and the friends that I have, because it's really all friends. They're all people that believe in me and they're people that I believe in. And Okay, I'll say something a little cosmic and hippie. Okay, it's true to my roots. Uh, I think the world's in pretty shitty shape, pretty hard shape. Uh, I think music is a lifting force. I think it makes things better. Uh, It makes people happy. I think that I don't know how much time I have. I could have two weeks, I could have 10 years. I'm sort of towards the end of my life. We know that. However much time I got, isn't really the significant thing. It's what I do with that time, right? And it looks to me that the only contribution I can make, the place that I can help, is to make more music uh, and do it really well and spend whatever time I do have trying to make it better, trying to make more music. So that's what I'm doing. I'm old and, and confused and you know, crazy as I always was <laughs> and stoned on top of it. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty happy and I think I'm making good choices and I, you know, my family thing is real good. I don't know. I'm very, I'm in a really good place, man. It's a weird thing. When you get this old, you're kind of waiting for what's going to break. <laughs> is it going to be my liver or my heart or my kidney? I, I just, my, my kidneys are feeling kind of sensitive this week. You do, You just don't know, you know, but nothing has broken and I'm here. So what the fuck? <laughs>
2: you know I'm, I'm doing the best I can. I'm ruining your radio show. This is exactly what I I, I Yeah, I want to have the great conversation with But because you're right. I mean, I also want to say that I don't feel like, you know, you putting joy into the world with music is any kind of new thing. And I don't think you're trying to say that either. I mean, even when I look back on, you know, that first solo record, if I could only remember my name, I mean, I'm, of course, I'm kicking myself because I'm blanking on the uh, the title right now, but you kind of kick things off in your solo life with, with just talking about music is love. You know, it's it's it is the... The it great connector.
1: It is that. And I wish I wish Garcia was still around. If he was, we would be making this record together. But the, uh, I'm having a joyful time doing what I'm doing, man. And, uh, and that I think I, that's how I feel. I feel like I can see a clear path. I, I'm really distressed with the shape the world's in. I'm really distressed with some of the things that are going on. But I can see my path pretty clearly. I know what what I know what I can do. I can't fix everything, but I know what I can do, and I'm doing it.
2: Well, like I said, you, you make some great musical choices through, all throughout this record. I mean, you already brought up... I, I will bring up some friends that you got on here, too, because uh, Michael McDonald does make the appearance. Um, Isn't he you wonderful? Know, <laughs> you talk about, you know, considering voices that you've sang with through the years, your own voice, as we say, you know, one of the greatest voices in music that's ever happened. What makes him fun and special to sing with well I mean we all know that's an iconic voice that comes with Michael McDonald well I mean, yeah he it, was it, a duet partner yeah
1: he's uh Michael's been my friend for a long time I love the guy he's a wonderful human being he's a family guy he's sober guy he's a really really wonderful cat okay and uh talented beyond belief great player great singer great writer he's great all the way across the board I've been saying for a long time that he and Stevie Wonder were my two favorite vocalists alive. I thought they were the two best singers I knew. Stevie's getting old. He's probably not as good as he used to be, but uh, Michael isn't. Michael is, I think the best singer I know in in, in, period. I think he's the best singer in America. Uh, I don't think anybody can touch him. And I, I know he only does it for friends like me i only do it for friends too but it's such a joy to sing with him man i gotta tell you when you do it (laughs) you feel like you you feel like you've been stuck with an electric wire it's just really good
2: it's it's wonderful So, so so you write with your favorite band of all time you sing with one of your favorite singers of all time and you cover one of your favorite songwriters of all time. I mean, I really think yeah. you're playing favorites. I did talk about Joni with that one, of course. Absolutely, I
1: did all of that.
2: <laughs> you're playing favorites here is what's going on. You bet on. I
1: am. You bet I am. <laughs> well, Joni's hard to ignore, man. All of us love her, right?
2: Mm-hmm. But Absolutely.
1: I'm a singer-songwriter. And I, as, as such, and having been one for 50 years, I judge that Joni Mitchell is the best of us. She's a... Uh, She's as good a writer as anybody.
2: She's she's as good a poet as Bob. A lot of people obviously cover Joni, and there are some iconic, you know, versions of cover songs out there too. But I do think that there's something special when you do it, and maybe it's because that you knew each other, you've known each other so well all of your lives. But there is something different. I mean, there's something deeper. Like, I you do it best is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Man, thank you.
1: I I would argue with that. I don't think I'm the best one. I think Efa uh, O'Donovan doing Coyote is probably it's my favorite
2: Joni song.
1: Oh God. Listen to Aoife O'Donovan do it. She did it with uh, Chris Teely and that, and that band from the TV show. Yep. Unbelievable. Look it up on YouTube, man. It's, it's, if anything, it's it might even be better than Joni. It's, it's mind-blowingly good, but I, yeah, I've, I've done some. I did, uh, I did, uh, what's her name? The pilot lady, uh, song of Jones, Amelia uh, Amelia. Yeah. And yeah. I did that one. Cause I loved it. I think it's such a beautiful piece of work. I love Tony's work and I yeah. love this song. Cause I love what it says. Right. I, it's kind of a backhanded dig at the streamers, you know, because they don't pay us. They really don't. It's like you did your job f- for a month and they gave you a nickel. You'd be pissed. And, That's why we're pissed. Uh, The proportion is wrong. Uh, I wouldn't mind if they weren't making billions, but they are making billions of dollars and they're not passing along to the writers. So it's bad for me, but it's much worse for the young people that are trying to come along as writers. They can't, they're sleeping on their mother's couches because they can't get any money at all from records at all. That's streaming. But I like making records for fun. I like making records because I love the music. And I've yeah. been, I've been incredibly lucky that way. You know, the the people that I've gotten to write with and the people that are, that gotten to sing with, Jesus, really fun. Well,
2: that's what you know, when I was listening to uh, to you and Sarah to Rose, uh do this song and thinking, you know, uh, you've covered it before and, and the way songs change over time. Like when I first heard it, it was just like, oh, they're, they're covering the Joni song. It wasn't until of course the song ends. I'm like, oh, right, because this song makes complete sense again. In a new way, as great songs do, unfortunately, in those bittersweet ways.
1: Yes, exactly so. Well spoken, my friend. Uh, (laughs) It's a great song, no matter what, man, in in whatever context. It's a great song. And Sarah just killed it. She's a a fantastic singer. And she's been doing, you know, harmony since she was in a bluegrass group at like nine years old or something. She's really good. Really an amazing singer. Made that record of hers, man. World on the Ground. Holy yikes. Yeah. Is that a good record?
2: I agree. I remember seeing her really early on in Austin. She was playing with a friend of mine, Ben Sollee, And it was like, here's this new art. I mean, and just seeing what she's done. I mean, that's... Y'all are good. Oh, compliments yeah, compliments all yeah. there. Uh, while I'm bringing up your old friends, there's another one that kind of makes a, 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 um, a, an appearance here too with uh, Joan Baez, right? I mean, did I read that she did the artwork? Mm-hmm. So that's something I, w- I was trying to see. Like, I'm going to try to say this not too confusingly. How do you see that she sees you?
1: Well, she's known me since I was a teenager. Okay. I fell in love with her and her sister, both. But uh, she did a series of paintings of people that she likes uh, in show business, uh, other singer songwriters, particularly. And uh, I saw the picture. I saw a a picture of the picture. And I immediately called her up and said, hey, Joan, can I buy that picture? She said, sure. It's not even that expensive. The whole show is for sale. And I said, no, no, no. Can I also buy it to use uh, as a cover? She said, really? I said, yeah. She said, sure. No problem. Just tear your wallet in half and send it over. (laughs) And she actually was quite reasonable and very nice about it. And it's a great a, a, a great painting. It 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 again evocative. <laughs> Definitely, you look at it and you go, hmm. <laughs> it's good but is That is
2: that. What is that? That that. Of course, that's what I was. It was the hmm part, you know. When I think the, the here's two people that have a lot of history together.
1: Yeah, well, just she's to, a hero
2: of mine. But just to think of what she was thinking when she was right painting that, you know, yeah.
1: I guess I don't. She knows that I I tell this story a lot, man. Back in the days of the Vietnam War. She would go over to Oakland to the in, intake terminal where they would take, where you would actually walk in, you'd already been drafted and you would walk in and actually go in. She would be outside and where the line was and she'd say, you don't have to go. Uh, you can be conscious of and we've got lawyers and we'll do whatever is necessary. And she would get yelled at, she would get spit on, she would get cursed, she'd get threatened. She'd get arrested and she'd go to jail and they would humiliate her every way they could and then she'd go home, she'd get bailed out, go home, have a meal, get new clothes, take a shower and go back to the terminal and do it again. Now, that's a brave human being and I have been uh, a fan of her bravery along with her musicianship for a very long time and she is one courageous woman. So it's a great connection for me, it worked really great.
2: Yeah, I um, pat, I pass an abortion clinic on the way in every single day and to see the assholes out there, you know, doing I mean, something you said kind of reminded me so much of just uh, the people that are trying to put the buffer in between the assholes and, and the women, you know, you know, that's, um, the world needs more Joan Baez's. There's
1: brave people doing it,
2: volunteers doing that. Yeah.
1: You got to love the volunteers, man.
2: And you keep writing about stuff like that. And and I say this in another sort of unfortunate way. Uh, Shot at Me is on here, which is a really poignant song. I mean, here's something, a subject that, you know, you could have written anywhere in the last 50, 60 years or something like that. But it but it keeps rolling around. What was this time? What brought this one on? A guy I met in a bar
1: in an airport. He was getting drunk, and he had haunted eyes. And I said, what's going on, bud? He said, oh, I'm just coming back from, from uh, Afghanistan. I said, you look uh, bummed out. He said, I am. He said, tell me. He said, we were on a patrol, a bunch of vehicles going down a road. We started taking fire from a little town. We shot back. Turned into a pretty good Firefight. There was a few of them in there. We called in Smarty, leveled the place. He said, but before we did, I got off one of the best shots that I'd ever gotten off. Now, I'm using an assault rifle, right? Damn things in anchor as hell. He said, But I nailed a guy at about 200 yards. I nailed him. It was a good shot. It was the best shot I ever made. So I went over to see. And he looked up at me and he looked at me right in the eye and he said, and it was a 12-year-old boy. And he just kept looking at me. And you could see the pain. And uh, yeah, that's where that song came from. It's a bit, and war is like that. War doesn't just kill the people who volunteer and know that they're soldiers and know the risk they're taking. It kills hundreds, thousands of people who are just there. They didn't do shit to anybody. They just happened to be in the wrong place, wrong time. So you know, that's my beef of war.
2: And we just keep going in circles. Yeah. Again well there's a there's the foo fighters song you know uh the, the, he basically says uh, you know all my life i've just been waiting on a war like because it's another one's gonna roll back i don't know if that's how he meant it that's again the way i'm taking it but it's like you are you're just because you know it's gonna happen again he's just waiting on another war you know it's don't like it that's um. Uh, Another time, I I think I was trying to draw the parallels of past and present a lot when I was listening to your new record, when the opportunities were there. It did remind me of uh, what are their names again from, you know, that uh, your first solo record. I mean, is it similar context?
1: Yeah. You know, I have a conscience. I try.
2: (laughs) I would think so. I I would really hope so. Well, if you don't mind, while I'm talking about sort of the past a little bit, I just wanted to say something uh it's the 50th anniversary this year of uh, a four-way street Mm -hmm. which is one of my all-time favorite live albums and i gotta say i can remember i'm a few years younger than you so i didn't hear this until the 90s but i remember Mm -hmm. when i heard this for the first time and it just blew my mind this little record right here and to this day i think it's one of the finest live albums i have ever heard so
1: thank you man i like it myself of course i would (laughs)
2: for whatever that means uh on on the live stuff i I know it's hard right now are you all able to plan on the touring stuff i've heard you talk a little bit about residencies which has been a really great thing for some artists is has that gone any further
1: no it might happen i don't know if i'm ever going to play live again man uh i can't do bus tour just can't do it Uh, i can't can't sleep on the buses anymore and so i can't really do it Uh, I might be able to do residencies if they'd have to come up with a lot of money uh, because it's a real expensive way to do it but uh, I don't know I did a benefit thing for uh, Quetzman's Kid uh, for band and crew members uh, uh, San Francisco thing and and, uh, it was good and I listened back to the vocals and I, I was singing good and uh, and i love doing it man you know that i love it so never say never it's possible but i i don't i definitely will not be doing a regular tour like i did for the last 50 years
2: yeah well something like um like i would travel to see you do a thing like springsteen on broadway you know, like that's been going on. I mean, heck, I'd even, I don't know if you've seen uh, Dylan's new uh, live stream. I don't know what you call it. It's like vignettes or something like that. I mean, seeing you kind of venture into that world as a fan, I'm saying I would eat that up.
1: I just got uh, told by uh, Steve Silberman, friend of mine uh, that the Dylan thing was excellent and and he sent me a link to watch it. I'm going to watch it when I get done with this. He said it's personal and very, very, easy you know he's not uptight he's co- obviously comfortable in delivering uh, and i love bob so i'm probably gonna want to do that
2: beautiful vignettes the whole way through and and the songs i mean it's he kind of plays them straightforward it's kind of um surprising in a way <laughs> in that so um i gotta compliment you again though for free again it's it's a beautiful record what you're doing i, I love what you're doing and and i hope you continue doing that for you know another album every year the way you've been going if that can keep happening uh I, I say selfishly i will be right there for it
1: we have two more planned already two more planned yeah i'm <laughs> you want to know how bad it is with me and james we don't even have this record out yet and we're already writing the next one <laughs> <laughs> and uh and i've been writing another uh, lighthouse record with uh with becca and michelle and uh michael league over the internet uh, getting ready to do another one of those
2: too I can't wait to hear them I mean I'm still digesting this one but I can't wait to hear them David thank you so much for continuing to do what you do we so appreciate it thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to talk about it too
1: thank you man I hope we do it again
2: yeah I'll see you around take care All right. so you want to be a rock and roll star no well how about a podcast star well as it turns out there's a new all-in-one platform just for you it's called Anchor and it's the easiest way to make a podcast and check this out it's free Download the free Anchor app right now, or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Now, the last time David and I spoke was just back in 2018. That's when we were talking about the record here. If you listen, he gets to also tell us about writing with a group again and using demos from the 60s and 70s within the new songs. So I'm going to include that one here as well. Part two of Kyle Meredith with David Crosby. Hi, Kyle. It's David Crosby. Here, if you listen, is another beautiful record, and I feel like you're going to be told that every year, as you have been for the last five years. Here's another yeah. beautiful album. It is, but um, l- let's get into this because this one is a bit different. This album has uh, some of the other band members taking the lead vocals this time around, right?
3: Yeah. What happened is this: man, I started doing the Lighthouse record. I, I asked Michael to to produce it. Right? That was I-, I knew I wanted to make a record. I had some songs. And uh, I I wanted Michael to produce. Michael introduced me to Becca and Michelle. I asked them to sing on the record because they're a stunner singer. What happened is that in between the chemistry of Michael and I writing, and I mean, there was a lot of chemistry. We wrote three of the best songs on that album three consecutive days. Uh, In between all of the, the incredible fun of working with Michael and working with Becca and working with Michelle, I realized the next time we did it, I wanted to do it differently. And so when we started this record, I said, guys, I want it to be a group record. I don't want to make it be a solo record. That last one was a solo record with you guys guesting on it and Michael producing. This is a group record. I want you to write it with me. I want you to sing it with me. And that's what we did. We went into Michael's studio in Brooklyn, and we only had two songs. We had Janet, that song of Michelle, Mm -hmm. and we had Your Own Ride, the song that I wrote with Bill Lawrence, uh, that's written to my son Django. And that's it. We didn't have anything else. We wrote the entire rest of the record in the next eight days, and then we recorded it in the rest of that month. In one month, man, we walked in and wrote and recorded the whole record together, the four of us, huh. and that's what it sounds like. And I'm really happy about it.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much variety all over this. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned Janet right from the beginning there, and you know, it's 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 sort of uh, got that funky thing going through it, you know, and which is. <laughs> it's a great... <laughs> it is. It's, it's very fun.
3: Well, it's because those people are that good, man. It wouldn't it wouldn't have worked if I hadn't picked great people, and I did. I'll give myself credit for that. I did pick stunner people, but the, the credit goes to them, and they are amazingly talented, and they really stepped up.
2: Within that, though, I mean, this project could, as it goes forward, if it goes forward, I'm guessing, I mean, this could turn into something else entirely from where you started, as it already has, right?
3: Yeah, I think uh, I think it's a group. You know, I, we all have solo careers, and we all work in several different combinations. Michael, notably, you know, with Snarky Puppy and with Bocante and the other people that he produces. We all have different stuff, but, I, you know, I think it comes down to we all recognize the chemistry when it happens. None of us can really deny that there is, there is a definite real chemistry that happens when the four of us try working on some music together. So that's good. We look at it and, and we can't deny it. It's pretty undeniable force. We'll see how it goes, you know, but I'm still alive and I can still sing. Yeah. So it's entirely possible we'll keep it going.
2: You know, a lot of artists, it, it's hard for them to do something, um, to always be creative if they don't have push, uh, something to push up against. And I, I wondered, like, do you find a particular challenge, you know, a good challenge w- with these artists that allow you to, to have something to push up against?
3: I wouldn't say it's challenging. It's more like encouraging. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's two ways to go about this thing. One is challenge, and and it's competitive effort, and that's what CS, what CS one CSNY always was. Uh, and it, it definitely produces some really good work. I mean, CSNY did good work, but it's competitive effort. Co- cooperative effort is a different ballgame, and that's Lighthouse. It's it's definitely a cooperative effort. There's no no way around it. We like. Working with each other, we like helping each other, and and we do trust each
2: other. A few other interesting points on this record is, of course, you've got one called 1974, one called 1967, and you of course cover Woodstock at, at the end. Uh, and I'll hit with those those number songs first. Are are those actually? Do I hear you from those years, too? Are we listening to demo parts of that, or is that just the way it was kind of recorded?
3: Yes. No, that's exactly it. Those are two demos from those two years. One of them is fantastic because you actually hear me writing the song. You can hear me finding the melody to the song and finding the song. And we took both of them, and I said, Michael, you know, we can either try to work with these or we can take them as the sketch and make a brand new record from scratch of each of them. And he said, man, I'd love to play time machine and try to take them from then to now and have it all work. I, I said, I know it's against the rules and I know it shouldn't work, but your voice then and your voice now are really, really still similar. And it sounds really good. So let's just try it. Let's try going from the original demo right to a brand new record from right now. And see if we can pull it off as a time machine,
2: and we—I think we did. Oh, it's incredible! It sounds so great. It really does. Um, Thank you, man. Yeah, kind of. Best. now, when you write, do you ever feel like your past gets in the way of your writing? No, the only thing that gets in the way of my writing is laziness. <laughs> yeah, for the yeah, on my butt. You know, I—I'd I, wondered with so much, you know, history and, and legacy, with so many songs in your uh, in your own catalog. You know, if that would at some point be like, I don't know. I mean, you know, where do the melodies come from that you haven't tried so far? Because you, you somehow keep finding them.
3: I So far, it's still a, a joy, man. It's still great fun to do. And so far, music is still coming to me. And words are still coming to me. When they stop, they'll stop. But right now, they're still there so i'm still writing songs and that's
2: a joy to me and uh, you know sometimes you know the way we you know write changes through the years when talking about politically natured songs political natured songs do you find that that's changed at all in the way you would write uh, about whatever's happening out there
3: not much that that song that i wrote in the last one capital that's a pretty good political song. It's a, a character assassination of Congress, and they certainly deserve it. <laughs> I'm looking to write a political song now of, of the Ohio and um, We Shall Overcome kind of sort. I, I, we need another great sort of get-out-in-the-street fight song. I've been asking I, on the net. I've been telling other writers. I've been saying, hey, if you're a songwriter after we need this song. And I'm working on it, but I haven't got it yet. So if you
2: do, let us know.
3: Because we do need it in Ohio. We need our own Ohio. And in the meantime, I've been singing Ohio
2: as much as I can. I've talked about this a lot before in other interviews. You know, the, the the unfortunate nature that those songs still make so much sense to this day. Because I would love to listen to that one just because it's a cool groove and it's got a great, you know, backbeat to it and all that stuff. But but those words, every single one of them, still make 100% sense. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's a
3: strong thing. So I'm, I'm doing it. I'm
2: singing it every night. What, if you don't mind asking about a, a, a couple uh, of your back catalog records right now, and I only bring them up because they're, they're do, you know, you mentioned Time Machine. They are celebrating the big round years right now. Uh, I was um, I was on the phone with Roger just a few days ago, and he says hi, by the way. He told me to tell you hi. Yeah, it. I like him. Yeah. I mean, of course, he's been out there with Sweethearts uh, touring that 50th. And I, I was thinking, you know, the Notorious Burr Brothers album also turns 50, and it, it do you feel like that one's not getting the attention it deserves? Because I love that record, and it, I feel like it's probably being overshadowed right now by Sweetheart.
3: Well, no, I don't think it really is that big a deal. I think Sweetheart is getting the attention it's getting because it was the first country rock record that I know of anyway. It was the, sort of the marker where country rock started is that record to me. And I think when they tossed me out of the group, that the direction they went was that that thing, and it was a completely different direction than the birds had gone before. And it was totally valid, and they did a great job, and they're doing a great job
2: with it on the concert.
3: I've had friends go to the concert and tell me it's
2: really good. Yeah, no, the way they're doing the history and everything that kind of leads up to it. And, and, and I I'll make that clear, I'm not knocking Sweetheart, of course. I, I do love that album. It's just when I look at that Notorious, I'm like, oh, man, I would love to see that celebration. Like, let me pick out Draft Morning, because that is so lovely. And th- like just the sound of it, and then you get to the lyrics, and it's so powerful when the war comes in. I mean, the juxtaposition of that song uh, is is sort of unlike just about any other song, you know. Thanks, man. I mean, it, it, I, I would say what's obvious right now, you know, obviously a draft morning kind of spells it all out there. But, 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 how did you come up with the concept of uh, or anybody, whoever came up with the concept of, of of those movements within that song?
3: I don't know. I have no idea. You know, I know I was going to get drafted, and. Uh, at- was looking at me right in your face. And uh, so it was a natural thing to write about.
2: The first CSN record will turn 50 next year. Do you have any desire to celebrate that? In, in any way, I'll point out.
3: No, not really. I, I You know, I would probably, if if Neil wants to get together and do C- a CSNY thing, I would probably do that. I don't think a CSN thing would be such a good idea. Uh, I think a CSNY might be doable. But the truth is, man, I, I really... I don't have enough time to stand around kind of waiting. I, I'm working as hard as I can all the time right now because uh, I, 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 whatever time I've got, I want to put it into making music. And so I'm, I'm not waiting for anybody. I'm working all the time constantly. Uh,
2: which is really evident. I mean, I, I, I hear you've already started working on the next record. Is, is that true?
3: Yes, we're already writing it.
2: <laughs> I love this. <laughs> this is the best. I swear this is the best thing. And then... I should, also, I should also bring up your other venture, because uh, I don't know if it's actually started yet, or maybe it's a desire, but Mighty Cross, this is a... This is yeah, st- yeah,
3: I'm going to do it if I can get it. I I figure that, you know, the, there's going to emerge from the the fray out there, there's going to emerge uh, several national and international pot companies, and I want to, you know, put my name and face on, on one of them, have my own brand, I, I think it's... It's a good thing, and uh, so I'm trying to get it to happen. We're looking to, to make a deal with one of the companies.
2: There's a number of them that we're talking to. So there's no timeline on that, though. When we could uh, maybe see that, uh, or a desired timeline?
3: No, not really. Uh, we want to, the desire is to do a really good, solid deal with a, a really good, solid company, and that takes time.
2: Well, that'll be. I'll uh, we'll be looking forward to that. <laughs> And one of these days, I don't know. What do you think about it? Is there going to be a, a David Crosby movie ever? Because it seems like everybody else is getting their movie right now, and I feel like you got a story to tell.
3: Well, yeah, I, I, Cameron Crowe. You know who he is? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's doing a documentary on. Me. Yeah, no, we've been working on it for a while. It's just about finished.
2: That's very exciting. That answer. See now, now you've made all of my dreams come true, David. Thank you so much. <laughs> Surely <laughs> not all all right Literally you you've all. made three dreams come true today i've got a few more it's true thank you so much for the talk today and taking the time to talk about this again congratulations on here if you listen i'll probably tell you the same thing next year when we get another record or whatever that comes out no doubt that'll be great as well
3: thank you man i appreciate the help
2: all right we'll see you around take care
3: all right man thank you
2: now I'll include one more interview here. This one goes back just a year further to 2017 when we were talking about the album Sky Trails, which at that point was his fourth album in three years. The uh, twice inducted Rock and Roll Hall of Fame member uh, spoke about the LP's jazz influences, how the Trump presidency affected the writing, and a photography exhibit that uh, had its, has its roots uh, right here in Louisville. So part three of Kyle Meredith with David Crosby.
4: Oh man, I'm, I'm very good. Mm. I'm very happy guy.
2: Uh, you seem that way these days. It's nice to see. I mean, maybe you've always seen that way. I, I, I wouldn't know. <laughs>
4: No, I have not always been totally happy. I remember there was this time when I was in prison in Texas, I wasn't happy.
2: That's true. <laughs> uh, we we don't have to revisit the darker days then. We'll concentrate on the present here. So
4: Yeah, it's been it's really quite good, man. I'm, I'm having a, a really good time.
2: Yeah. Well, I love I'm loving all the output you've had recently, especially with this new Sky Trails record. My first thought on it was, "Oh, the jazz." That seems to be a part of this. I don't remember you getting having this much. Uh, j- well, it's not jazz songs, but jazz influence in your songs. Um, I don't know. Maybe ever have you?
4: Yeah, I have. I, I've always been, you know, a Steely Dan fan, and uh, I've listened to lots uh, of jazz. It's been part of my life, you know, uh, for a long time. I mean, I always loved John Coltrane. That uh, he was the influence behind uh, the stuff we did in Eight Miles High and the Birds. Uh, Miles Davis cut one of my songs. I've been always a huge fan of uh, Weather Report, so it, it's been an influence. And my son James, who produced the record, is a a big uh, big fan of uh, uh, of jazz and has played in jazz bands and is that level of player.
2: So, For when you're singing like that, is it any kind of a different vocal technique than what you would? Do on you know one of your more traditional songs versus something like this?
4: No, you tend to sing a little softer, and the chord changes are more sophisticated. Sophisticated. Um, where are you? Louisville. See my friend Jeff Parrish, who lives in Louisville, mm-hmm. uh, is doing an exhibit of photographs that he took of me in Louisville at something pretty great. And if I can get it while we're still on the phone, I'll tell it's, you about it because I think it
2: yeah, no, I was going to bring that up. Uh, it, it's with Copper and Kings, and it's the uh, Portrait of the Artist at 75.
4: So you do know about
2: it? I do know, but it was, I was going to use this later in the interview, but let's cut right into it.
4: Oh, yeah, well, he's a dear friend of mine. He used to be captain of my boat. Really? Mm-hmm.
2: Captain of my boat. That's a good mm-hmm. line right there.
4: <laughs> and uh, he's a fine sailor and a fine guy, and he's now uh, the house counsel to uh, Crosley. He's one of my best friends, and... um so he, he's he been to a ton of my shows and taken a lot of great pictures. of I me. Mean, he's a really fine photographer.
2: And so there's going to be a big exhibit? Is is that what it is, just a, a photography mm-hmm, yep. exhibit? Mm-hmm, yeah. And is this of your whole career, or is this just of recently?
4: This is recent and good. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think your whole career has been good. That's the uh, mm-hmm. the argument there, but... I don't know, what is that to look at? The Portrait of the Artist at 75? It seems like there's a lot to be said even in that title right there. Like, it's not so much a retrospective, but in a sense it almost is.
4: Well, it's kind of amazing. I made it to 75, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I didn't think I'd make it to 75, I can tell you that.
2: The exhibit itself... Um... I guess this is uh all all a part of the uh, this latest record too, right?
4: No, it's just a thing that Jeff uh and put together. Uh he's he's made a book out of these photographs. It's really excellent. I think we're going to be selling it at the shows. It's just a, a thing that we did, you know, because they're really good pictures. Sneeze, my friend. I, I I don't even remember if we're going to play Louisville this time.
2: You you don't have a date on it right now. Mm. So
4: well, yeah. then we'll have to wait for the next one. I, I do I do play there, and I have played there, but I think this one's more more west, around Chicago and stuff.
2: Right. Well, I'm looking forward to that exhibit. Um, you know, when the the folks that called me up from Copper and Kings they painted it really cool. Uh, painted the picture of it, no pun intended um, mm-hmm. really, really cool so i 'm looking forward to to seeing that, especially you know as it goes along with the new stuff and like i said i can 't give enough compliments to this record I, you know and and we 'll talk more about that too, because I was looking at it you know the last two records I mean they were written when plenty of crap was happening in the world, too, but I think it, you know it was nice knowing that we still had Obama as the president. This is mm-hmm. the one after that. This is the post trump record, and i don 't know. You've always written about world events, but did it have a larger effect on your writing this time?
4: It had a very, very strong effect on my writing this time. I wrote uh, that song Capital mainly because I I was so distressed with how bad our government is, how terrible a job our Congress has been doing. And then it got worse. (laughs) And then the Orange Disaster happened in Washington, D.C. The guy's an an infant. He's he's not even a grown-up. Yeah. Uh, he's he's a obnoxious, racist, uh, sexist asshole of a person. Mm-hmm. You can quote me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I agree uh, with you. So. <laughs>
4: yeah. I think he's a real danger to the country. He's doing enormous harm to our democracy. He's doing enormous bad things to our country, to our kids. But worst of all, because it's not convenient for these guys, they, they it interferes with the quarterly report. It interferes with their, they're getting rich-er. Uh, they deny climate change. And the problem with that is they're doing harm, they're doing a disservice, a really large, enormous harm to the whole human race. Yeah. And that's how
2: bad it is. I mean, it's frustrating for me, I know, and it's frustrating for a lot of people, but for you and, you know, having having stood up for humanity and, and, and human rights and, and environment the way you have for decades now, to be back here
4: i mean that's it's gonna... terrible man it's so discouraging it's really hard you know because these guys they don't care their denial of climate change is just all about money mm-hmm. they, they just want to get the money they don't want to get in the way of the money they they don't want to believe it because it's not it gets in the way of them making more money and getting richer and they're doing harm yeah. they're doing harm to your children you folks out there they're doing harm to your children might just as well let these guys come up with a bat and smack your kid in the head
2: don't i know it? we've got mitch mcconnell speaking for this what state
4: a, so. what a terrible what a terrible person he is yeah oh my god he's a
2: terrible person yeah it's very frustrating over here we can we can scream it feel like you know we get thousands of people together and we scream as loud as we possibly can and one guy just turns his back and says no you know it's it, it, it yeah. gets rough and don't stop screaming. No, we won't, and I, I and I think we'll you know we'll be screaming even louder. And, and again, you know, I do try to tie this back to the music because I, you know, for me, I do turn to the music a lot. I find solace in 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 folks like you, you know, protest singers or, or just you know some folks that are kind of singing about our own frustrations. And you know, that's why I really do appreciate that you haven't stopped fighting all this time either
4: no i'm not gonna and i think other people are going to do the same i think it's going to generate the situation so terrible i think it's going to generate some great art i will tell you about one that you do not want to miss All right. donald fagan and todd Rundgren have made a record called the man in the tinfoil hat mm-hmm. about about donald trump with a video and it's hysterical <laughs> it will make you laugh your fool head off it's wonderful it's a great piece of art yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I recommend you look it up on the net and watch it. <laughs> <I> <laughs> you will. can try to get a hold of me and tell me how cool I am for telling you
2: about it. <laughs> well, definitely. There is that one song on there that I know, I'm sure there's a lot of songs in there that fit into this, but I, I was so impressed by Sell Me a Diamond, and, and you know, that flip of the phrase conflict-free. Mm-hmm. Where did that arrive? Where did that idea arrive? Is there a story behind that?
4: There is, yeah. Somebody was talking to me about diamonds, and they used that phrase, conflict-free. And I was fascinated by it. I, I went, What the hell is that? What is a conflict-free diamond? So here's the story. The world has had, for a long time, diamond industry that's very controlled. comes out of De Beers Company in South Africa, goes up to Belgium. It's largely Orthodox Jews. There's a diamond industry, and they know where every diamond came from, and they mark every diamond, and it, it's microscopically marked, and they know where they all came from and where they all go. Okay, that's the legitimate diamond world. In the middle of Africa, in, a, in uh, Nigeria, there are people who are trying to take over the country, and they are doing that because they want the southern half of the country where the oil is for the money. They want to be rich. They don't have an education. They can't read, write, or... Think properly, but they'd like to be rich. So, what they're doing is they get people to, uh, they, they, they kidnap people and enslave them and work them in these mines in the middle of Nigeria, in the middle of the country, digging up diamonds. And then they sell the diamonds on the black market so that they can buy arms and ammunition to try and take over the rest of the country so they can have the oil, so they can have the money. Those are conflict diamonds. Wow. Did you see the, the movie Blood Diamond?
2: I, I never just saw that. I know about it, well, but, but there I never it is. Saw it. The, yeah. the
4: entire story is right there in that movie. Yeah. Okay, so I hear this, and I think, okay, <clears throat> and my head goes, conflict-free. Gee, that sounds appealing. <laughs> in my life, 76 years, we've never been conflict-free, not for a minute. There hasn't been one minute of my life when there wasn't a war going on somewhere, and that's a very distressing fact to me. Okay? So I think about this, and I think, oh, conflict-free, how appealing, how wonderful, what an idea. And as I'm thinking that, I'm imagining suddenly two people right behind me having a, a conflict and bitterly ragging at each other. And uh, that's how the song came out. You know, I mean, I, I'm not in charge here, man. I just, <laughs> I just write it down.
3: <laughs>
4: uh, but it's fascinating to me. I would love, I would love to be conflict-free.
2: Yeah. Well, I I I love the song. I mean, even coming from, you know, a, a dark place like that, I, I really do. It's uh, what you've got going on in this record. It, the other two records have been really great. And I especially love that first one. But I'm really digging what I'm hearing on this one. So I hope this streak just lasts for a long time. I'm, I'm 35, I didn't get, I wasn't live when artists would release one to two records every single year, and I feel like I'm getting a good taste of that right now, and I'm, I'm enjoying it, so thank you.
4: Thank you, man. Yeah,
2: it was a pleasure talking to you, David, and uh, I'm looking forward to this uh, portrait of the artist at 75, too. I'm, I'm really happy you're a part of that.
4: Yeah, me too. I, I hope it works out great. My, my friend who did it is a really fine photographer, and I think the pictures are really stunningly good.
2: Right. Well, we'll be checking them out.
4: All right, man. Thank right. you.
2: Take care. And my thanks once again to David Crosby. The latest record is called For Free. Thanks to you again for uh, checking out this episode. Please do hit that subscribe button before you get out of here. Again, three new interviews every single week. You can subscribe at iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you like to get your podcast from. After that, head over to wfpk.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at wfpk.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, Twitter, instagram facebook all three of them at kyle meredith i do hope you like and follow along make sure to say hi when you do that does it for another edition i'm kyle meredith i'll see you next time consequence podcast network
1: now i gotta tell turn off the mower that's outside my room here hang on one sec don't go away